You're listening to the Storyteller Series from The Salvation Army. For more information or to share your questions and comments, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. The Book of Acts, Chapter 17 Then Paul and his companions came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. 
and he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So here we come now this week to Acts chapter 17, when Paul is here in Athens um, and in a city that is just riddled with uh, idol worship and a place that you would, could imagine would be very hostile to uh, a new faith entering in, especially a very Jewish faith, this um, religion that's come from a very obscure minority of people far away. And yet Paul preaches in a way that really speaks to the um, just the convictions that the Athenians already had and doesn't preach down to them, but preaches in a way that you can tell he's trying to communicate to them in a language they would understand. Um, for instance, he has this really uh, beloved quote here where um, he says, for in him, in verse 28, we live and move and have our being, as some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. He's making this really profound point about just the the fundamentals of human existence and our dependency upon God. And he connects it to what even their own poets have written. Uh, and so Paul is preaching in a, in a very unique way um, that um, – is very intent on making connections between what the people there were already thinking and feeling and even believing. Thanks, Caleb, for sharing that. And uh, what struck me as well very much in this incredible sermon here is this exact uh, this exact verse in him, we live and move and have our being. And, uh, and it's just an amazing way to, again, to preach the gospel. And, and it kind of took me back to the the more in the beginning of the chapter when they are in uh, Thessalonica and and I just I just love this I underline this in my Bible whenever they are they are dragged uh, before the city authorities and then uh, they shout these men uh, these are men who have turned the world upside down and now they have come here and and this thing these men have turned the world upside down I just think was uh, was such a cool way, actually, of a reminder of me of what the gospel is all about and how the kingdom of God turns things upside down. 
and 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 we see that certainly here as well and uh in a, in a positive way, how things are turned upside down. We've seen that in the previous chapters, we talked about uh, humility and uh, and uh, being being humble in our service and, and, and not being proud and, and not, not taking anything that comes to, to us as, uh, as anything that has to do with us, but it is the power of God within us when we preach his gospel. And I just think that is so, uh, so profound. So, um, yeah, I was just reminded of that, uh, Caleb, as you shared the way that they preached uh, or the, the way that Paul preached. In this Absolutely. And um, when you talk about that, turning the world upside down, I feel like especially uh, as Salvationists in the Salvation Army, like that's part of our birthright. In fact, we have a the chorus of one of our songs says, I'm going to fill, fill, fill the world with glory. I'm going to smile, smile, smile and not frown. I'm going to sing, sing, sing the gospel story. And we're going to turn the world upside oh, down. down. Yes. That, right? We used to sing that on open air. I remember um, marching up and down the streets of Vancouver and, uh, and it, it was uh, because the world um, ever since the fall has just been wrong side up. And so God's like, come on, like we need, let's write this thing. And so um, I love that this idea of um, those people at the time saying, coming against uh, Paul and his team saying, oh, like they're turning the city upside down. I'm like, oh, that more salvationists would be known yeah. for turning their city upside down. And uh, and I think what's exciting to me about um, Paul's example, his preaching style, his evangelism here in Athens is that he didn't come in um, to try to shame people. He didn't come in um telling them where they were uh, wrong and sinful and evil and awful for what they were doing. But um, the I feel like evangelism that flows from the heart of God is creative um, and it finds the moments and opportunities and it seizes them because uh, we serve a creative God who wishes that none would perish. And so, you know, Paul zones in on this unknown God and then he intrigues them. Right. He intrigues them by saying, actually, let me tell you who this unknown God is. And they're like, wait, what? Like, you've got new information. Like, we're hungry to know and to understand as Greeks. And so um, all he did was he didn't manipulate, but he um, he allowed Holy Spirit to show him what is the right moment? What is the right way to capture the attention of the people? And then um, from there, what he says, it, it moves them away from a God of their own understanding to who God himself says he is as revealed through scripture and through the testimony of his people. And uh, I feel like that kind of evangelism gets me really fired up. That gets me stirred up. Um, and uh, I feel like that's the way um, God has for his people, even now moving forward into the world is um, it's not evangelism of condemnation, but it's uh, rather invitation. Right. I love that you actually just said that it's not condemnation, it's invitation. Um, because we see so many times, like, all Paul is trying to do is just share with them, like, you know, the, the the one that I'm bringing to you, the Jesus that I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. You know, he's not condemning them, um, but he is making sure that they know the name of Jesus. And I love that. And even, I mean, they're going into riots and they're debating and they're trying all of this to kind of get them locked up and put words in their mouth and all this type of stuff. But he's still just saying, listen, I'm coming to you with the love of God. The person that I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. 
you know, do you believe me, basically, um, without being antagonistic, as they can be seen doing. So I like his approach is more out of, out of grace and respect. Um, and that kind of tells us as people who are, are missional and people who do uh, want others to hear the gospel, um, you will run into people who might debate you. <laughs> um, you will run into people who, who might try to cause a scene because you are trying to share the truth with them. Um, but it just reminds us to, to stay calm and continue to share Jesus's name and his word. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. You can subscribe to the Storyteller series on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or your own favorite podcast store. For more information, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org.